Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. This is Guardians of Lore podcast episode 20. We are going to be doing Awoken of the Reef part 3. And this is being recorded on April 20th, 2019. I'm your host for tonight, Mrs. Hyven. I am Elemist. This is Hyven. And for podcast news, we don't really have any. Our usual is we encourage feedback, which can be sent to us uh, via Twitter at guardians underscore lore, email guardians underscore lore at outlook.com, or of course you can review us on Apple Podcast or Google Play or anywhere else you may listen to your podcast that does reviews. Um, let's see here. Stuff you may have missed in Destiny. Invitation of the Nine, Week 6. We will be covering all of those at the same time after they're all released. Um, currently, the revelry is going on. My notes here tell me that it's a spring event from my soul sister, Eva Levante. It involves the infinite forest on Mercury, but it started from the Towers map. Let's see here. Um, we also have two new armor sets, new ghosts, new ships, new sparrows, new shaders, new emblems, and new triumphs, but no new lore books this time. And lastly, the somebody else step in here. Arbalest. There we go. Is a reward. Clearly that's not super exciting for me since I don't know what it is, but I'm sure somebody out there is excited according <laughs> to my notes. It's an exotic, kinetic, linear fusion rifle. It's like Uh, the exotic chaperone on steroids. It's like you... No, it's a... like I know what that is. I would say it's more like an exotic tarantula. (laughs) Or, uh, yeah. Look, I'll give you that I... More like Crooked Fang. No, No, I like a pulse rifle, not a fusion rifle. Yeah, that's the one. (laughs) Crooked Fang, that's what I was trying to think of. Um... You have to end up doing seven triumphs in order to actually get the Arbalest. So, there you have it. That's what's going on. You may have missed it. You may not have. For all we know, you've already done all of those things. But that's why this is called Stuff You May Have Missed in Destiny. Not Stuff You Did Miss. Alright, so, moving right into our topic. We're just plowing right through these notes. Like I said in the beginning here, we are doing Awoken of the Reef Part 3. And this is a continuation of the Marasana and the Awoken story. Um, We're covering it in four episodes because it is 23 entries. And this is number three out of four. Um, However, our coverage of the Awoken will end with this lore book. Um, We will be doing an extra episode with the two new lore entries and additional lore tabs. Because... Bungie did us dirty like that. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's just uh, hop on in. Elmas, you're up. All right. I'm covering the first card called Illin. In the bomb-walled passages of the place called Processes and Services, the screams have stopped. I've never heard it quite before. Lysel whispers. Are they gone? But she knows, as Portia and Nassia know, as Illin herself knows, that the Taken have not gone. Not very long ago, Processes and Services was the place Illin and her sisters came to make the desolates. 
items of technology imbued with the husk dry power of Oryx is taken. Illin was the first to stand as a living conduit, the first of the Techians to use that deep interior fault line, that fundamental awoken schism as a bridge. She remembers the endless, awful, infinitely malicious screams of the things. But she also remembers the whispers, and if the screams are silent now, the whispers are louder than ever. Quickly, Illin hisses, before Petra is informed. Any breach of processes and services triggers an alert, and while they were crafty in their intrusion, even minute body heat and motion of the air will be detected. We must ask our questions and go. Brave Portia leads them to the cell she selected for their use, a vacuum-gapped sphere of relic iron coated inside and out by signal-deadening spinfoil. It hovers in suspension, a black miniature traveler, a pearl formed around a hideous interior flaw. Illin opens a needle-thin access port. The stink of ozone rolls out. There is a taken vandal within, flexing and shuddering through nameless permutations of blissful agony. Nasia, she whispers. Quiet. Precise, Nasia slips a whisker of cable into the port, guiding it through impossible twists and encrypted locks with the caress of her augments fields. Illin rubs her temples. The whispers aloud here. The whispers that haunt the place where their queen's voice once sounded. Whispers, which sound so much like missing Shirochi and the others from the queen's flagship. They should have suffocated to the dreaming city if the battle went wrong. They should have come home safe. What if they need help? What if Petra has kept their fate from Illin? Would she do that? Petra, Coven's daughter? Raised by the witches? Things have not been easy between the regent commander and the Techians. Ready. Nasia offers the splayed end of the cable to them. Be careful, all of you. Their augments sink in a stutter of light, like a sunbeam passing over a field of diamonds. Inquisitive Lissel forms the first question. Do you hear us? The vipers strike rush of the taken things will comes at them. It is powerful, but familiar. Illin deflects its demand. I think it hears us, she says with a grim chuckle. We know Taken too well, don't we? There were fears once that the Guardians would be appalled by the Taken-empowered armor, but Petra was right. Guardians will wear anything that gives them power, whether tactical or social. Together, they unfold the Taken things' brutally elegant interior geometries, seeking the threads of connection that reach out across space and time. Shuro? Illin whispers. We have heard you. Do you hear us? That is when she makes the fatal mistake. She thinks of the time before Saturn. She thinks of Shrochi and Aldrin and Mara. She wants that time back. She wants. In the non-space around them, great jaws snap shut. Riven! Brave Portia screams. Illin was prepared for Taken. Folded. 
perfect things, elegant and thus manageable. But this absolute appetite, this impossible will, she speaks the secret word of stasis that will crash their augments and end the communion. She does not know if she is in time. Quiet Nasia is screaming. Inquisitive Lissel is screaming. The screaming has begun again. All right. So for me, it looks like they are trying to communicate basically with the uh, the Techians who have been taken by Oryx, uh, Shiro Chi and Callie. Callie. I don't know if her different, but yeah, that's how I usually say it. Um, and also we see basically, yeah, right. And also we see the basically this kind of references the forming of the uh, queen queen soil. Because it talks about how uh, Guardians wearing um, the Taken-filled armor, which is exactly what happens to our Guardians when you uh, pop your Queen's foil. Any Reverie Dawn gear you're wearing turns completely blacked out and taken -y. So that is, I think, maybe a byproduct of this. But they're ultimately doing is they're trying to open some type of realm to talk to and through the Taken to reach this other side. And, yeah, they're trying to get in touch with Shirochi and, and Callie. But they don't know that Riven is also involved. And as soon as she makes a desire or a want, Riven kind of, like, jumps on that. And then they're like, oh, crap, we got to cut, sh shut down this call. And, yeah. Yeah, I'm so confused. Like, so <laughs> it sounds like they broke in somewhere. Petra doesn't want them. Found something that they refer to as a black mini-traveler. And then shoved some frayed wires up in this junk to make this call? Yeah, you know, they're just tapping into the wire. Like, it sounds really... Um, Dylan, phone home. Yeah, yeah like, <laughs> what? So, I mean, it, um, yeah, that's where my brain's at. That wasn't very cohesive at all, but that's where my brain's at right now, like... It was weird. I also, going back to what Hyven said about the clothing, I found it funny, their little line about how guardians will wear anything that gives them power, whether it be um, tactical or social. Oh my god, yes. And it's it's funny, because they actually mention the, um, the Taken armor that we had in D1. There were fears once that the guardians would be appalled by the Taken-empowered armor. So yeah, they're directly referencing the armor that we had in D1 that was all taken and everything. Okay, so I did figure out really what's going on. They basically have a taken vandal trapped inside of like this ball, and they're using this taken mm -hmm. to communicate with other taken. And they're doing this because a couple of the tech units were taken. They figured out, they basically, when Mara got killed, they went missing also. what Remember, Oryx's yeah. weapon was his throne world. So he didn't necessarily kill them. He took them into his basically throne world and he turned them into Taken. So they are basically using a Taken Vandal to communicate with other Taken um, or trying to get in contact with these two Tekunes. And we can see that's it's off limits because, well, you can imagine that that's. Well, because for what happened, you never Dangerous. know what's going to happen. Yeah, when you're you're messing around with something you don't quite understand. And they were prepared for Taken. We see they even had setups basically for their augments to be disconnected if anything went wrong. So they'd be basically pulled out 
Um, it's just like the Matrix when they just unplug, you know? They had their, their failsafe right. in order. Um, but yeah, they were not prepared for Riven. Um, you have not played Forsaken. Uh, if you have played Forsaken, you'll know Riven. If you haven't, Riven okay, is, so that is Nanampara. Riven, yeah. Yes, and I guess we, and we talked about uh, well, Riven we talked actually about, just a yeah. couple episodes ago. That baby uh, Ahamkara, Ahamkara is all grown up, and it, it got taken too, basically. Um, and that's what we know her in the raid. She is kind of one of the bad guys, but she's taken, she's working for someone. Oh, she's misunderstood. Kind of Sabathun, you know? She yeah. was anyway, the baby. Well, yeah, but at this point, she's been taken again now. Um, so she's not on the side of the Awoken at this point. And yeah, an Ahamkar is super powerful. They feed off of will and wishes. And basically, she wishes or wills for a time before. Um, and that's when Riven like strikes, basically can feed on that desire. And that's when everyone starts screaming because I imagine their brains are doing some crazy stuff. Yeah, that's what's going on. Yeah. Fun stuff. But yeah, this explains a little bit of the in-between between we have to go into the raid. This is them kind of getting contact. And this is how we know we have to go into the raid and fight Riven and try to uh, release Shirochi and Kali. The one thing I, I do want to note, we actually find out that Petra is um, raised by the Techians here. Yes. Is it mentioned in here? Mm-hmm. Is this the first time it's mentioned? I know it's mm-hmm. mentioned. This is the first time I've heard it. Um, yeah, it does say Petra Coven's daughter. I don't remember. Yeah, Petra's been through a lot of stuff. But um, she was raised to be a Tekune. Um, She decided... I think she left that after the death of family members. Um, she eventually became a paladin, and then she was demoted from a paladin for making the order that killed three fire teams of guardians. And then she became the queen's wrath. Then Mara disappeared slash died. And then she became the regent commander. So Petra now, I have a question. Everything. Um, so, um, okay. So last week when we discussed Mara's, I guess we landed on heroism. Um, <laughs> So, which one? Her, you know, being killed by oh. the sword logic and all. Oh, yeah. It was mentioned that this was something that happened in D1. Um, and, you know, it was a raid to go in and kill um, him. And sorry, my brain is not working in a functioning yes. statement. Basically, my question Ray, we is killed once after. you do yep. that, does she automatically come back? No. How long is it until Mara comes back? Or has Mara still not come back fully? And that's she... why Forsaken happened. So, yes, the Taken King kicked off year two of Destiny. It took another two years before we actually found out that she was alive. Yeah, so we don't have all the timeline of Destiny. But currently, um, the, the game we play, it's supposed to be in real time. So the fact that we didn't hear from her again for another two years... That is supposed to be like, to my understanding, kind of like in-game, like two years had gone by. We had just assumed she was dead, um, which is why me and Elm just kind of nerded out last week about 
the reason the, we were guided. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yep. But remember, we heard that her plan was dealt with Eris. Eris was the one who told us to do that. So Eris didn't tell us why we were doing it, but Eris knew that the queen, what the queen was doing. So we ran in, killed Oryx, and basically she basically would have gotten control of that throne world. She didn't reveal herself to us until we turned back on the Oracle engine in the Dreaming City. And that is when she informed us and Petra that she was still alive. And that's when eventually we got to meet her in her throne week throne room, what, three weeks after that? Sorry. Yeah. Two weeks after that, on the third week, and that's when we kind of started meeting with her in person and stuff. So then my follow-up question to that then, like I said, does that mean she never did this with Aldrin and that's how Aldrin was able to be manipulated? Yeah, like she never revealed that she was alive to Aldrin, um, but Riven took advantage of that. Is that what you mean? Okay. What do you mean? She never did what to Aldrin? Revealed that she wasn't dead, and oh. so that's why he was able to be, like you said, taken advantage of by that's this. We, well, that's crazy what we remember, thing. We, remember last week we talked about. That was one of the things that she feared. She understood that when she basically died, it was going to be the undoing of her brother because he did not understand the plan, and she knew that he wouldn't be able to function without her. And it, I just, like, I just didn't put all of the pieces together last week. Yeah. Well, that's why. Especially considering book. by the It'll time I played Forsaken, on, yeah. I didn't know all of this about Mara and Aldrin. Yeah. 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 I'm like it's taking yeah. several steps backwards to like try and catch up. Oh, for sure. Like I said, we could do tons and tons of episodes just on Destiny 1 lore. Um, oh, God, Try yeah. to keep up to date, you know, with some of the new stuff. So, And we're not even doing that yet. But yeah. Any other questions then? No, I think that's it for now. I'll let you know. <laughs> okay. All right. I believe it is my turn to read Nitrogen. Lightning! Koro yells, waking Telia Ross from an uneasy sleep. It's lightning! At last! At last! He has gone out in a cloak in a rebreather to dance in joy. White light flashes through the film of Koro's plastic hovel. Telia thinks of art grenades and the Baron's scorn cutting through the walls of her lab. She shudders, counts the arrows in her quiver, and tries to go back to sleep. She can't. She puts on a bow and quiver, joins Koro outside. He's sifting the lightning-struck earth, grinning like a fool. A burrowing insect slips between his fingers, pinches after it, but gets only one slim antenna. I need nitrogen to grow plants, he explains pointing up to the sky in the mist of contained air that surrounds this part of the reef. When the containment field builds up enough charge, its arc to the ground, and the lightning bolts split nitrogen in the air, which fertilizes the soil. Isn't that amazing? Elia stares at him. You can't seriously want to farm here. Home, civilized proper home, is a sealed habitat. Cool, clean place full of light. Why not? We're a refugee people now, Tella. You think things are going to get better? He points to the bright stars of habitats and ships above. All those. Those are targets. We have to learn to live off our land. We're a refugee people because things keep killing us. Tellia leaves angry footprints in the soil. 
We won't have to be out here for long. Petrovinge will lock down the reef, or the queen, queen will come back, or, or... You really think she survived? Coral brushes his hands clean. My felder sure didn't, and she was tough. Real tough. It took legions of guardians to kill Oryx. The queen, she's... I know she was something special. She's no guardian. I think I can still feel her, Telia says stubbornly. Sometimes. Sometimes. Who knows what can get into our heads these days? A new star ignites overhead. Toro squints. Guardianship, he says. You can tell by the way they come in, like they just don't have a care. Maybe they'll come hunt the scorn. Maybe one day, Telia will be a scientist again, in a proper lab, with a proper place to sleep. Like the days after Skolas. I've got other hopes. Crow slaps his thighs, bounds to his feet, and, as if he is a true prophet, heads for his hovel just a moment before his baby burst out crying. You hear about that one fallen on Hygieia? He pays for people willing to maintain a few remote telescopes. You work for Spider? Helia cries. But he's willing to pay in hard goods, willing to help people move, even willing to provide security. Coral pulls back his hovel's flap. Want to help me with the kids? Someone's got to explain why they shouldn't be afraid of lightning. So this is an interesting card. Um, first of all, things that aren't super important to the story, but things I liked from this card. You mentioned of leaving angry footprints. Like, I don't know how one does that, but I'd like to learn. I want people to know how I'm feeling by the footprints <laughs> I leave. Dump. They're deep. Like, are they just, like, deep? Yeah, deeper footprints. And they're probably not very clean either, you know? You're, like, stomping away, yeah. not trying to walk a deep, muddy mess. Um. Then there mention of how you can tell it's a guardian ship because they come in like they just don't have a care. Yeah. Sounds about it. Like yeah. jack racers in ship form. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, the mention of Spider here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we just see some poor, normal Awoken who are having to live on the reef now, basically trying to decide how they're going to live life. We see a little bit of a discrepancy. Those who hold hope for the queen to come back. And we see Oros just kind of like, we're going to have to live here. We might as well start farming and planting and enjoying and life. Doing something. Yeah. Yeah. And we actually, like, the thing that I latched on to was the fact that we figured out from this card what asteroid Spider is actually living on. Mm-hmm. Hygieia. Like, us as Guardians, we know it as the Tingled Shore, but... Mm, that's what yeah. It's a bunch okay. of different sections, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Otherwise, it's self-explanatory, I suppose. It's just these two trying to... It's just we see another example of basically trying to... For uh, Awoken, trying to continue on life after their queen is gone. Because remember, I mean... I she was the one who led them there. They had this goal, and now... Yeah. You know, it, it's kind of sad. They the left story... immortality for this life. <laughs> and it, it just is depressing. Yeah. But I think this card is important now that you say it like that, too, though. Because it's like... Um, you know, you say it's just two people living life, but I think it's important because, you know, after seeing this huge battle, I guess your first thought kind of is like, okay, what's happening to them in this interim? You know, we know from story that Mara is alive, 
but we don't know like okay what were the awoken doing in the interim like what were they feeling what were they thinking so this does help give us some insight into that in between that we didn't necessarily have before yeah because she that's why mara said she worried about her people so they were basically leaderless and lost for a little bit well and and so even then like whenever we've seen the awoken since mara's death it's always been the Vestian outpost, which is like Petra and her people, you know, the, the people that are under her. Yeah. We were literally only in D one able to go to the outpost that was set up for guardians to come visit. That was as far as we were able to go. We weren't able to go into the dreaming city or the tangled shore and see where like the majority of the woken lived, you know? So, and yeah, so I'm, and they got, we see also, I guess that's, that proves, you know, they used to live in the, the parts of you know the reef and the dreaming city we see here that they're kind of stuck to live on the tangled shore which is a pretty horrible place to live <laughs> what does ghost say when we first land in that mission i don't know why anyone would want to live in a place like this a bunch of rocks all hooked together something like that and then yeah, he makes a comment no wonder they're not trustworthy of anybody they can't oh, yeah, trust the can... ground that they're on yeah, oh yeah i laughed yep. so hard at that yep yep i forgot <laughs> all is, about that oh my gosh forgot yep that's perfect that's that's this right here that was that's like yeah that was a great a line from ghost no wonder the awoken are so salty can't blame them <laughs> right. all right that's all i got on that card Z's. refusal Petra has her welcome for Zavala all planned out. He will say something stentorian, which, while it is technically a greeting, Petra will also read as reproach or condescension, or perhaps paternal concern. Petra will smirk at Zavala like she really doesn't care, so that he knows he's nobody, a little guy, a bureaucrat, far beneath her anger. But at this exact moment, a shard of cyanide-laced ice from the far reaches of the Oort cloud will penetrate the reef's ravaged defenses and smash into Zavala with such velocity that he becomes thin ooze across the floor, a scum. When Zavala's ghost begins to rebuild him, Petra will say smoothly, No, allow me. Then she will brandish a mop. The hatch opens. Cade 6 backs his way through talking to Zavala. Whatever you've seen, whatever you've read, it's worse. These people need our... Cade. Petra half-consciously adapts Mara's fae removed, her insouciant and remote posture. Her throat jams up, and she actually coughs aloud against the sudden grief. You brought... Zavala grinds his way into the room. An obelisque of city stone extrudes across the solar system to invade Petra's space. He very politely answers Cade before turning to her. The fact is, Cade, the queen did us a favor by leaving the reef in chaos. As long as the fallen are here killing each other, we have room to rebuild. Now he nods to Petra. Regent Commander, pleased to see you well. Likewise, I'm sure. Petra feels in her heart that the queen saw the reef as a protector of Earth and its people, if perhaps not protector of the traveler. It still kills her to hear Zavala speak openly of the reef as a distraction. Kate had a proposal, she says, that he wanted us to both hear. 
Yes, I did. Cade prances between them, like a flare meant to draw off heat-seeking fury passing between Petra and Zavala. The city's fallen drove him deep into his jester persona. Devil may care and fancy free. He hasn't quite recovered. It's like this, Petra. We're bringing a lot of Earth's lonely people into the arms of the city. I got talking to Varix about the situation out here, and I figured, hey, maybe it's time we extend that policy to you. He sobers. I want to invite, invite the Reef Aroken into the city. Abandon this place to Varix, to dead orbit, to whoever wants it. It's hell out here, Petra. You won't survive. Zavala's eyes are locked on Petra. He burns with a magnificent centaurian power. Does the regent commander have enough control over the reef to ex execute a withdrawal? Despite your best efforts, Petra snaps, and then suddenly, she cannot stop. She's too furious, too hot with grief. At least Kate is honorable enough to acknowledge what you've done to us. Every fallen house you shatter washes up on our shores. Every hive god and cabal tyrant you attract goes through us to get to you. No wonder she couldn't stand the sight of you, Zavala. You've forsaken your people. She bites back the rest. How she wishes that back in 2000 and whatever, when the darkness hurled mankind off the height of its golden age to plummet 16 centuries into barbarianism, it had done just a slightly better job. That's not true. That's her broken heart talking. But oh, does it talk loud. She was a charlatan, Zavala says quietly, fighting a war that existed only in her mind, dragging you all behind her. Any of you who are willing to admit that are welcome in my city. But I will not take in whatever conspiracies she left unfinished. If you come to us, you come to join the city. No, no. Stop being the queen's people. Stop remembering her promise. You're afraid, Petra tells the titan of titans. That's why she could never trust you. Go back to your travelers, Zavala. Thank you for your concern, Cade. But the reef has its own purposes, and you would mourn your foolishness if we abandoned them. Petra, they are the purposes, she snarls, intended by our queen. I love how there's all this venom towards Zavala. And it's there's not a whole lot pointed towards Cade because he actually showed concern. Zavala, it was more of just like she couldn't stand him, but Cade actually cared, so she she was kind to him. I mean, well, kinder. She was a little less sharp-tongued. Yeah. Well, I just love the, and also the spat between Zavala and Petra we see here. It's just, once again, it's two awoken on separate sides of the whole argument on Mara's place Very on ruling the people. Sides. I think Zavala would have been one of the awoken who left originally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he, he cuts deep. He says she calls her a charlatan. That the war well, and you also have to think, like, only in her mind. How much more hurtful this is having, you know, lost her. It's kind of that whole, like, people don't speak ill of the dead kind of thing. Yeah. Clearly, Petra kind of aligned herself behind her uh, if she was willing to be her. Um, 
you know, her watch commander. Her wrath. Yes, yep. thank you. That's but yeah, basically, Cade was trying to help out. He was trying to... He wanted to ask both her and Zavala if basically the people should move into the city. That's sad if a uh, city that just got blown to bits by the Red War is in better shape than uh, the Woken yeah. people. So they're basically trying to be a refugee camp, but uh, Zavala says if they come, they have to join us. They can't still be loyal to the queen who's not around. And Petra's response is, we are not joining you. We are staying autonomous. Yeah, at a standstill. But yeah, it's just Cade really had a good intentions, man. And he's a caring individual, even though he's always goofy and never serious. He's a, Cade was a great guy. Well, you can and always I'm, like so hear the Nathan Fillion as I read any Cade. And it's oh, just... absolutely. Well, and like I'm convinced that there's something going on between Petra and Cade. Right um, at Forsaken, they seemed a little frenzy. Oh yeah, and whether it's like just buddy buddy or whatever, that's fine. But there's there's something there. Whether something it's like more a... there than there is with Zavala. Oh yeah, they're definitely oh, friends. Cade <laughs> is the one who basically goes and helps her with the prison of elders every time she needs someone in there to, you know, take some prisoners in or deal with many prison breaks and all that kind of stuff. He's her go-to guy for. Her go-to guardian, Cade and his six, do all of the hard work. And it, it so it was funny. Um, she was talking about you know every fallen house you shatter washes up on our shores. Every hive god and cabal tyrant you attract goes through us to get to you. And I'm sitting here thinking, okay, there was the house of wolves, kings, devils, winter. <laughs> Like, I'm sitting here listing them all, and I'm like, (laughs) right. And then I'm like, and that's just the Fallen. Then we go to the Hive Gods. You know, it makes sense, though. When we finally break the houses and get them, you know, they have no more power on Earth. I mean, where's the next best place? They they know the reef. So that kind of sucks. And, yeah, and then, of course, they they are on the way to us. So anyone trying to come to the Earth, got to go through the reef. Yep. That's how the uh, the Reef Wars basically started. As the House of Wolves went through going to Earth, and they stepped in to help. But yeah, we see that Petra's not happy with basically their... The teamwork, the love is, is not quite there between the, the Awoken and the, the people of the, of the Tower at this moment. Oh yeah, there's definitely a nice, nice bit of division and contention. Yeah, there's there's some animosity there. Toe show. All right, should we move on though? We shall. Okay, I'll be covering the next card titled Fleet. They lock onto his ship so far out that he actually grunts aloud in shock. But they have seen stealth tech in action before among the fallen and against Oryx, so he should not be surprised. The message comes. State your business, or be fired upon by orders of the regent commander. Arak Jalal chuckles at the title. He remembers Petra's time in the tower, her simmering impatience to be back out in the black sky. She got her wish. Perhaps she regrets it. She was right about one thing, at least. This is where everything that matters happens. If Dead Orbit had ruled the city, 
there would have been a fleet to meet Gaul. It's a rock Jalal of dead orbit, he says cheerfully. I'm here to speak to Regent Commander Petrovenge. I am not an emissary from the city. I come on my own accord to discuss matters of fleet. Jalal has been to the reef before, but never through proper channels. He's a little surprised when Petrovenge meets him at his transmat zone. He expected an escort to be to a waiting area, where he'd be given a sense he's not a priority. However, Petra is an operative, not a politician. She can't bear to delay action for the sake of theater. He likes that. A rock Jalal. She shakes his hand firmly. Does he feel a whisper of some faint telekinetic force against his throat? She can do that knife trick. And what else? Welcome back to your ancestor's home. Regent Commander, how does the role suit you? A reminder that they are both out of place. It's temporary. She beckons him to walk. You want to discuss ships? We have talented labor, but no safe yards for them to do their work. If you can supply a site. He checks her with a slash of his hand, a spacewalker's gesture. I came for salvage rights. Salvage? Around Saturn. I want your permission to go through the debris swarm for materials and space frames. The dead will, of course, be returned. Petra is silent. Iraq expects her, being a spacer, to be a pragmatist to see that the reef doesn't have the space capacity to process this salvage and that the inner solar system needs as many ships as it can raise. There is also the question of Oryx's weapon and whether it can be defeated if the dreadnought ever stirs again. But Petra remains silent. The wounds are still too fresh. I apologize. It seems a shame to leave those resources for the fallen or to drift into Saturn. She speaks. Earthborn. Did you mourn for her? He thinks she will know if he lies. I respected her, yes. But I despised the way she seemed entitled to us all. I never regret choosing the path I did. I was awoken to continue the search we started long ago. The quest for worlds worthy of our lives. Petra turns her back and goes. He stares after her. Only after a long minute does he understand. She cannot say any of the things she wants to say and cannot bring herself to tell the lies she should. So, she refuses him. She refuses the choice. Jalal pities her a little. She will never be free of her. Alright, so we have Dead Orbit doing what they do. Trying to build ships so they can run away. Boo dead orbit. I'm just kidding. Not dead orbit. Right. All bad, but you know. But yeah, no, they're. A rock Jalal decides that he is going to visit Petra to ask her permission to salvage the wreckage of the battle at Saturn. Um, so we can see why. Maybe she was a little silent. This is obviously was a battle where it kind of, at, at this point, lost everything. You have a question well, you said? Yeah, real quick. From your perspective, do you feel him requesting this was a sign of respect or just kind of like a power play on his part? 
Uh, I think it was for permission. Yeah, but like, do you like? I don't see it as a power play. Rock Jalal doesn't have but, enough power to make a power position. He is a faction of the tower, the city. I'm just I saying, like, I don't know. Like, do you see it as like him showing Petra a sign of respect, or him trying to show Petra, like, yeah, I'm asking her permission, but I don't really need it. Like, I'm more powerful than you are in my like position where I am with the tower than you are here. I wouldn't say that because he's really not that powerful. He has to answer to the consensus. He can't make any decisions on his own. He is not that high of a political leader. Okay. I was just so. wondering because I don't know much about him. So I didn't know. And he is an Awoken. So we see he says he has some respect for a lot yeah, of laws. Yeah, she obviously. asks. Well, I like that she asks Earthborn to do mourn for her. Um, which again shows this is another card of that like kind of like tension of the two oh, yeah, sides. We see, we see how the viewpoints are so strong though. Everyone who left was glad to leave, but it's like the people who stayed with Mara turned into like almost like full on fanatics. Like without Mara, mm-hmm. half of the people just can't function. Um, which is why I kind of like how Jalal says he, he pities her a little. Uh, it's like those people who stuck with the queen. They can't live without her, which, you know, is understandable. She has this weird, like, mental link to all of the Awoken. Um, so, you know, it's kind of just natural for people to be drawn to Mara. But, yeah. And uh, she doesn't really give him an answer. So, it's kind of no answer. We really, as you, if you kind of were wondering if he was, she was just, if this was not really him asking, if it was just a, uh, would you say, a power play or a courtesy? Yeah, we don't really like, know what we don't know what they, what they did. So, um, I could have tried to stealthily to do this, but we don't really know. We just know that she did not give him the permission he was looking for. Because well, I mean, and, it's minor saying it's not. Yeah, I mean, it's their wreckage, but they don't necessarily have claim to that particular area. But it's their and ship, even, and they're dead. It would be. But he even specifies like they don't have the ability to salvage that. So it's kind of like he's coming with them to with a compromise of like a happy medium. Like you can't do any of this. Let us salvage the pieces, and we'll bring you the body, so like they can at least have a respectful like burial. Yeah, no, I, it makes sense. I, I don't even think that it's they don't have the ability. I think it's they don't have the resources. Well, that's like, what I'm they saying. Don't have the manpower that's, for it. Like they don't have that. That's what I mean by they don't have the ability. Well, yeah, it's it not that it doesn't sound like what wrong. they're talking about with their ships. Like it doesn't sound like their yeah, ships I mean, have the capacity at this moment. Well, I'm sure uh, Jalal is basically he's definitely a little greedy. Um, it's not like he has great means. I'm sure he wants he wants to be able to build his more of his ships for dead orbit. But at, you know, at the same time, he makes the good point that you know. Who who else is going to scavenge them if we don't the fallen? Obviously, you don't want the fallen building more ships and getting more technology. So he he yeah. definitely plays it as like a greater good kind of thing. And we'll return your bodies of the the dead that you're missing. So he framed it well. So there is a little bit of um uh you know cunning in the way he he approached her. But he he you know what he did it like a politician, which we see yeah. here she is not, but he is. Yeah, so if you don't know, Iraq is not his first name. That is a title or a position for a leader of Dead Orbit. So um, Iraq Jalal is a leader of one of the factions. If you don't know what the factions are, there are a bunch of different factions in the city. There were large faction wards a long time ago. Eventually, some of the main factions uh, 
got brought into the consensus or the main government of the city, and Dead Orbit is one of the main three. You're probably familiar with Dead Orbit, New Monarchy, and Future War Cult. And know that Dead Orbit, their goal is to build lots of ships and leave the solar system so as to save as many people and humanity as possible, hoping that by expanding humanity, um, they can't be picked off as easily. Which it, and it's also kind of ironic that he's an Awoken, and he's basically doing the exact same thing that uh, the humans were doing before they got turned into Awoken. So I always thought that that was kind of interesting. It's like some of the, the Awoken who are in dead orbit have gone full circle. But I mean, he it, even says like this was his initial desire. Yeah, sure. Well, and, you know, and he's still just trying to fulfill that same purpose. Right. And like it might be just, you know, if you don't learn from your history, you're doomed to repeat it kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it just shows that not everyone came back to for this big fight that Mara said. You know, it should, there were there were a group of people who came back not just to fight and protect Earth, but to continue that exploratory journey that they started with. You know, that was one of the things she tried to convince people about that they needed to get back to uh, the original, you know, Amrita Charter. So, yeah, that's just some enlightenment on kind of dead orbit. And yeah, so yeah, I guess I, I guess I didn't actually say it, but it's implied. Yeah, Jalal is awoken. I think that was kind of a given. Yeah, that was, I mean, she calls them Earthborn. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Are we ready to move on? <laughs> Speaking of power plays, let's move on. <laughs> Here we go. Of Earth <clears throat> and the Reef. Dear Master Ives, I write you on behalf of the Cryptarchs of Earth in sympathy for all those who died in service to your queen. We Earthborn feel your loss and hope this strategy will usher in a new era. We have made great strides in unraveling a richer and deeper history of Earth and its colonies, a history buried below merely ordinary truths. This content is, of course, far too sensitive to publish generally. We long feared that if it were intercepted by Her Majesty, your Queen, it would be denied or manipulated to serve some need of her own. Some of these discoveries relate to the nature of our awaking, while others point to the occurrence of journeys like our own, journeys that may have had troubling results. All of this scholarship would benefit from cross-reference and critical comparison with your own collected records. We hope that you agree that this knowledge is far more important than any schism that once defined our peoples. We look forward to cooperation between our libraries, correspondence between our scholars, and the beginning of a new intellectual golden age, a time of lucidity and truth. Respectfully, Master Rahul. Dear Master Rahul, we, the Cryptarchs of the Reef, appreciate your sympathy for the devastation that our people suffered in your defense. We likewise express our sorrow for your recent losses and, of course, Apologize for the length of time it has taken us to respond to your requests. We are determined to give our reply the full deliberation it deserved. It is our unanimous conscientious consensus. Yeah, you should know that word. You just said it. I know, right? Are you eating more ice cream? Can you see me? Oh, my mic's not muted. I'm sorry. Yeah, I could hear you too, but I was just curious. Can you see me? You are blurred, so I don't know what that is. 
Oh, it's that berry tart. Oh, okay. Damn good. You were mostly quiet. I heard some clanking, but you were fine. Not hearing. It is our unanimous consensus that you are vile, sir. That you are a grasping wretch. That you would attempt to use our misfortune to solicit access to our vaults and records, which I assume you are far more extraordinary than whatever half-eaten corruptions you've discovered among your ruins is quite appalling. We will, however, happily review any data or records you believe would be of interest to our efforts. You'll also be curious to know that reams of new discoveries are being generated daily since your traveler cast out the last of its light to refuel your guardians. Let us hope you are wise enough to understand its message. All respect that is due, Master Ives. This is hysterical. Every last bit of this, of their response, all the way down to <laughs> with all the respect that is due. Because they're like, we don't think it's any, but we'll let you interpret that. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, yeah. That, that snark is real. Oh, yeah. Uh, Master, I love snark. Master Ives and Master Rahul, we have seen them both in game. So, Master Rahul is that guy in the tower you've seen, Mrs. Hyman, who decrypts your engrams. He's been decrypting our engrams forever. He's mm-hmm. always been there. Everyone's always hated him because he's decrypted stuff to useless crap pretty much forever. Yeah. <laughs> we met Master Ives. He is the cryptarch who was in the reef. He was at the Vestian outpost. We met him. And so when you're standing next to the two of them, every once in a while, you'll just hear them like say horrible things about each other. And while the cryptarchy started in the Awoken, there are now two branches. There are the Awoken, mm-hmm. as you see here, the cryptarchs of Earth, and the Cryptarchs of the Reef. And of course, the Cryptarchs of the Reef think that they are the originals. So they got all the good stuff. Whereas the Cryptarchs of the Earth, you know, they started a new Cryptarchy about like Earth stuff. So I love that little quip where he's like, I see that you are going to use this misfortune to get our records, which let me tell you, our records are so much better than the crap you call records and vaults. I'm like, geez, man. Yeah, they go right. at each other all the time. Listening to their dialogue was hilarious in D1. <clears throat> it starts off kind of friendly, though, Master Ives. Well, but yeah, I feel because like he I tried wants to... something. Yeah, but he's got... there's a little bit of snark, though. Oh, you're saying Master uh, Ives starts off friendly. So, uh, yeah, well, I no, Master... you're saying the other request starts yeah, off Yeah, Master friendly. Rahul starts off... He's mostly friendly, but I love his stuff by Her Majesty, your queen. It would be denied or manipulated to serve some need of her own. So he's definitely a little underhanded because they, they kind of hate each other and they can't help but be underhanded, man. And then, yeah, Ives was the best. He was, that's my favorite. It is our unanimous consensus that you are vile, sir, that you are a grasping wretch. <clears throat> we had a meeting. We took a vote. You suck. And I love that he was like, we gave it the deliberation it deserved. Like, no, you know, that request came in and they were like, no, but don't answer them for like two weeks. Right. Put it on the bottom of the stack. Pretty much. No, no, no. You you misinterpret. It says we were determined to give our reply the full deliberation it deserved. Right. They needed to make sure it was as uh, snarky as possible. Exactly. That's his response. Not his request, I mean. (laughs) So it was literally like, oh, we're going to say no. But we sat around. We sat around for two weeks figuring out the perfect way to say no. I just see right. someone, it's like, with the stamp, it was just, they read it, denied, 
All right, send this out to get some uh, get a response drafted. Let's make right. it as as bad as we can. <clears throat> We're gonna need some scholars in here. Let's get doing this. But it's kind of sad because Master Ives is dead now. I love this card. But yeah. Well, at least he left Orphan. his snarky legacy behind. You probably don't remember any of it because I think I did have to remember when, when I told you you had to get the Thunderlord quest like last year. I don't know, beginning of this year. I don't remember a lot of the quest names. But either way, that was the Thunderlord quest. We found out that Master Eyes was killed by Fallen of all people. So depressing. Anyway, he had a lot of good snarky moments. <laughs> he will be remembered. For all of his Alright, well I'm going to move in to a pilgrimage. Would anybody like to make pilgrimage puns before I begin? Anyone? Anyone? No? Alright, good. We're going to move right on then. Zavala lowers his brow to the Ionian earth. It feels like the respectful thing to do. There's a big, coiled, ammonite fossil right under the thin topsoil, though, and he knocks his forehead on it. The pain and the blowing sulfur dust make him sneeze. Humbly I come, he says, almost laughing, to speak to thee. Ikora said this was the place. Io, a world still half-born, connected as if by an untorn umbilical to the traveler. I wanted to say, thank you. He finds he's looking at a Jupiter. He's accustomed to seeing the traveler above the city. So he fastens on the nearest huge floating sphere as a proxy. He forces his eyes down to the soil again. Thank you for what you did to Gull. Ikora tells him, if you listen with the right ears, you can hear the traveler's last conversation with Io. As if the matter of terraforming an entire moon with Earth-like gravity and a biosphere is only a matter of rhetoric and instruction. Well, isn't that the challenge in the end? Not just assembling the power to do something, but convincing people to do it? No, not even that. Not convincing or coercing. Traveler knows he is tempted sometimes, but teaching them how to think as you think, how to value what you value, even giving them the ethics required to understand your valuation so that you can trust them to make the choices you would, even when you're not around to father them. Zavala wishes he were half as good a teacher as he is a titan. Then maybe he could allow himself to relax a little and let others take care of things. Except, last time he let his guard down. Last time he dare think that they were triumphant, with Oryx repelled, Siva contained, Vex befuddled, Cabal huddled in their bunkers and too stubborn to come out. Gaul turned up in a storm and nearly destroyed the city, the traveler, and everything Zavala loves. Did I fail you? He asked the bone-coiled dirt. Am I the reason you had to wake up? Because I couldn't stop Gaul by myself? In the giddiness of victory, he declared this their new golden age. But now he thinks he may have misunderstood the traveler's awakening. He has always, he hopes, been a brave man. But he is almost too afraid to ask the next question. Is this just our next age of triumph? Is something worse 
on the way. The bruise where he head-butted the fossil throbs. History, Zavala once told someone, is a question of armor. How much can you survive and keep on living? More than this? More than what's hit them so far? How much more? And if the next escalation is a consequence of the traveler's awakening, will it be Zavala's fault? Duty is a puzzle. The harder you work, the more it seems to weigh. That reminds Zavala of Basho, his favorite poet, and of the hot spring Basho once visited to see the murder stone, which killed birds and insects that came too near. He has a horrible idea of the traveler as that stone, surrounded by buzzing flies, all shaped like ghosts, you're doing it again. His ghost warns him. I know that expression. I know, Zavala says. I just worry. So, we see that the last time that Zavala actually had his guard down was in that brief period between the Siva crisis and the Red War. You mean when he was having Eva Levante and what's-her-face tests make up horrible colors. horrible colors yeah yes yeah that that perfectly <laughs> yes. illustrates he was basically in peacetime yeah worried about design <laughs> yeah i also just kind of like had a thought about zavala as i was reading this you know i find it so interesting that he finds himself so much better than like petra and everyone that are reef born awoken because all i can think about now like it just popped in my head for him to be a guardian that means that after he detached from the reef and went with the Earthborn Awoken, at some point he died. Mm-hmm. So I'm just th- saying, you know, like, had he not been reborn through his ghost, like, no, dude, like, you kind of, you die. <laughs> like, you have to admit there is some not great things about choosing Earthborn. You yeah, died. I'm sure he acknowledges that he was doing something, whereas the queen... And the Awoken, for the longest time, just huddled in the back, hiding. That was kind of the whole uh, division between the two groups, where the ones who wanted to help and the ones who wanted to just wait patiently for a more appropriate time to help. So, yeah, anything, I think Zavala would show that as a, I was doing something. And the Traveler acknowledged that, and now I have another chance to continue on helping. Yeah, maybe that's true, too. That's the kind of thing I think how Zavala would probably feel. Yeah, well, and, that's what showed him to be noble enough to be reborn. Well, and I, I don't even think it really comes down to nobility. I think that's more of just like his personality since his rebirth. Because, <clears throat> um, I mean, it, he's looking at protecting people like all Titans do. You know, we are the 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 wall. We are the the ones taking the brunt of any attack. And so, like, right here, I mean, he's looking up at, at you know, the Traveler thinking, oh, wait, was it actually the Traveler? No, no. no. He was looking up at Jupiter, I think? Yeah, because he's so used traveler to looking at Yeah, yeah. 
He's looking down he's... to Io because Ikora told him that is the closest planet um, tied to the Traveler still. So he's thinking that by talking to the planet in some way, the Traveler can hear him, which is kind of like a... Right. Well, like, what I was... Well, like, what I was getting at is, he, yeah, he might feel like he's better than some of the Awoken of the Reef because he's protecting people, but he's very hard on himself. Like, I mean, there was a point in here, did I fail you? Uh, am I the yeah. reason you had to to wake up? Because I couldn't stop Gold by myself. So, like, this just shows a lot of his personality. Yeah, for and, sure. He's he's taking the blame all on himself. He basically thanks the Traveler and then says, sorry, I wasn't able to do the work for you. Which is like a tall order because the Traveler made all these Guardians and then was just like, good luck. Um, so he's holding a lot on his shoulders. That's why he's got such big uh, pauldrons for, the, for for arms, man. <laughs> but yeah. I did also like at the end, he almost, though, acknowledges um, that he, he almost looks at the Traveler just for a moment in a bad light. He talks about a poem by Basho uh, where this murder, murder stone kills things that get too close to it. And he for a moment envisions the Traveler as that, as anything that gets too close to it dies. So, Because um, obviously since the Traveler got there, yeah, it brought a lot of good stuff, but um, in the end, people are worse off than they were. Yeah, they had that Golden Age, but now you know most of the population has died and there's literally one safe city left. Whereas at least you think about like in our, in our world today, we still have a lot of stuff, but we at least aren't being killed by alien races, you know? So I think yeah. he kind of acknowledges a little bit that maybe the Traveler does have some blame. Um, but we see that's not his natural inclination. His natural inclination is to blame himself first. Uh, and, and the other thing that you had brought up, he's referring to uh, poems by Metsuo Basho, who lived yeah. from 1644 to 1694. Yep. Thank he you, likes, Google. He likes Basho and Sun Tzu, man. Those are his people. Yeah, so like they're taking real people and real inspiration and like i i i just like that kind of stuff that like you can see the real world in the lore of uh, uh any kind of franchise yeah well specifically destiny too though because it's not it's not star wars it's not taking place a long time ago in a galaxy far far away it's supposed to be the future of our universe our civilization our world yeah um, so it's something that we can relate to, and I love how they plug those little things in. So it's like, remember this world, remember how things could be, and that's how I think why sometimes you can. I love fanciful, elaborate stories. You can invest, I think, a little bit more into a story when it feels like something you know, kind of in your world, something you could imagine. So, absolutely, I do. Yeah. So this is we. This has been an episode, kind of of a. Uh, the breakup's nice. Like these cards are not necessarily part of the the big Mara story that everything's been. Um, you know, this is literally just all of the different. We're gonna we see the aspects of all of the Awoken of the Reef, and that's why this is Awoken of the Reef and not Mara Santa continued. It shows yeah. not just what happened to the group who stayed with Mara, but we see people like the Cryptarchy that broke off, Arakjalal who broke off and formed something, Zavala. So 
this is really this is really giving us a viewpoint of kind of what happened to the uh, to the awoken why we see them the way they are now um why some of the the mentalities and emotions that come across maybe is i don't know however you want to read them we kind of see a little bit more about what the people have been through on this side they've been through a lot man they've been alive for thousands of years in their first world, and now hundreds more years now, it's, it's crazy. Um, I don't have anything else to add. This is Hyven, our fearless nope. uh, host. And I'm good. All right. So then we'll move right along, right into shout-outs. And according to our setup list here, Elmo's drew first. Uh, shout-outs to Ishtar Collective, always. Um. But then for a, a second shout-out, I, I actually wanted to shout-out Focus Fire Chat. Um, and more specifically, like, one of the, the hosts on there, Beard Grizzly. Um, I was listening to a few of the episodes lately with him, and, and it seemed like he was really kind of having a hard time. So I'm like, I have talked to him in the past, um, but, like, he's kind of a private person and uh so i I just i wanted a little more of a uh vocalized shout out to him yeah you can relate there mrs ivan he has serious migraines that incapacitate him and a stressful just life with like depression and anxiety like a lot of people do so yeah and they do a podcast (laughs) time and yeah definitely i mean that kind of moves in i guess I'll, i'll i'll follow up on your shout out that focus fire chat's kind of what got us here. Um, myself and Elemis, listen, have been in focus fire chat, been in focus fire chat discords for a long, long time, and we've always loved it. And we, um, myself personally, I'm not able to really be in there for the streams, but I've always wanted to talk about lore with someone. So, and even though we're not we're not there for the focus fire actual chat sessions, we decided to start our own personal chat session, and that's where uh, Guardians of Lore kind of started up. So. Um, I know I've shouted out, um, uh, oh, goodness, this is depressing, Guardian Radio. I can't forget them this early. But I also want to shout out Focus Fire Chat as part of some of our other origin. Yeah. Some of our inspiration. I have, that's not my only shout out, but I don't know if you are finished, almost. Oh, yeah, I'm good. Um, well, continuing then my shout out, uh, my original shout out for this week. <laughs> We can keep going to podcast is Crucible Radio um, because I don't know what's happening. Uh, we don't know yet, but Crucible Radio is going away, unfortunately. Um, as far as how we know it, uh, the three hosts are continuing the podcast feed, doing another podcast. I'm assuming it's going to be on a different topic. Um, I don't know what it's going to be. They haven't said, but um it's not quite as sad i guess as guardian radio because they're still talking as they're not going anywhere they're still going to be here every week making their podcast but i am definitely kind of assuming and a little sad that it might not be a destiny um and i understand why because destiny is not as big as it used to be for a lot of people uh, but it saddens me because crucible radio has been one of the things that kept me has kept me in destiny uh, the crucible has been my home in destiny for a long time and when i am not playing for a while and I listen to an episode of Crucible Radio, and it like can you know encourages me to go out there and try something else, try to get better. 
um, and it's really spurred my 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 gaming, um, trying to get better at competitive kind of um, Destiny and other type of like FPS and video games has always been something that's interested me. And Crucible Radio has kind of motivated me to do that, taught me about a lot of stuff between all of their guests and stuff. <clears throat> so I just want to shout them out. It's um, it seems like all our de- my Destiny podcasts are kind of going on the wayside. I'm a little right. sad. Um, we're gonna try to stick it out, <laughs> but uh, it's it it definitely sucks to see the community. Not that, and, and I don't want to say that the community is dying down because I know all these people still talk about how they still love the game, and they still play the game, and we'll still talk about it occasionally. But you can see that it doesn't it doesn't have the people don't have that fire that was once there that they need to talk about the game. So I hope that Destiny can maybe uh, I wish I wish ugh, I wish all podcasts the best. It seems like the lore community is the only one still alive. Uh, but I hope that uh, Destiny can continue to develop and progress, and Destiny 3 maybe will bring about some new podcasts that get my teeth sunk into. Well, and like the lore community is the only community that, that truly is getting awesome content. That's the thing. Every we're, drop. We're better than we've ever been. So it's just, yeah. It's, yeah it's, it just depends on what your podcast and what your focus is on. There's not as much new stuff in game, but there's always been some great lore. So we're gonna keep on going. And that's it. That was the only one I want to show. Shout out for Crucible Radio and Swain Birds and Bones and all of their wonderful guests. Um. So my shout out this week, I guess, would be more to my co-hosts. I know we talked last week about kind of <clears throat> trying to be a little more like open and honest with one another like in life in general about like mental illness and struggles and stuff like that and for me personally today has been a really just rough day I've had a couple of rough weeks lately um I'm personally what causes my uh depression and anxiety is I'm diagnosed with a hormonal imbalance that PMDD and so it just my hormones on anxiety too you have yeah, I have general anxiety and mild depression, and then the hormones fritzing constantly um, messes with that greatly. It make, that's what makes it less manageable. Uh, and lately, that's been happening. I think some to do with the fact that Hyven is going to be going out of town for his first work trip since we got married, um, which is definitely stressful. But, you know, as stressed as I've been today and this past week, one thing I love is that when I come to do this podcast, even if I'm not like, off the walls chipper I still leave it feeling better I still leave it feeling just a little bit happier because I've gotten to come together with you know two friends that just really get me doing something you know even though I'm still getting to sit in the comfort of my own home I'm doing something and I'm talking to other people and I feel like I've been productive and you know, it's just those little things that really help you get through all of those bad days. And, you know, this is always something I can look forward to if I've had a rough day or a rough week. I know that I've got this coming up on Saturday and then I know I get to listen to it on Tuesday. Um, so, you know, I just I really appreciate my co-hosts. And I know in the past, if I've been having issues during a during an episode, they'll take a break with me. Um, and and they're just amazing. They you know, obviously, Ivan's awesome. He's my husband, and, and he's always there for me. But, you know, also, Elemis, I mean, like, less than a year ago, you were a complete stranger. And and now you're somebody I feel so comfortable talking to and, and leaning on. And so I just, I really appreciate both of you guys. And 
you know, just kind of wanted to be more open and honest about all of my, my stuff and, and how I have my people to help me. Oh man, I'm crying. <laughs> Quite um, for real. I mean, I remember the first time you ever told me like, Hey, if you need me, you can talk to me. And that just meant oh, like, the world to me. Well, that that just shows that... Elmis' personality, man. He's reaching yeah. out to people he hears on podcasts, you know, to, yeah, to try to exactly. So we got a we got a good group here. Yeah, like I have some family that just doesn't understand it, doesn't want to acknowledge it, and doesn't want to discuss it. So for somebody who, like I said, was a complete stranger a year ago to just be that like kind and caring, it really means the world. Oh, absolutely. And and like Hyven said, it it's just who I am. I mean, I've had some some former clanmates who left the clan um and i i've just recently you know partied up with them and and we were playing borderlands yeah so, i saw I mean, that that's looked fun actually <laughs> so i mean i for me it's it's not so much about like it, it might not always be specifically me trying to help them through something in life but just taking that hour or two or four <laughs> to uh, just sit down and play. Yeah, it means a lot just knowing you have a friend, even if nothing gets solved at that end of that hour or four. Just knowing you have a friend makes everything just a little bit easier. Absolutely. But yeah, I just wanted to specifically tell you guys how much I really love and appreciate you both and and this podcast and how it how it just it helps it does and so yeah and food i was dancing too earlier as i ate my tart (laughs) (laughs) this podcast and food together like my two favorite things well three because my husband's on it too so you know we'll we'll throw him in there so he doesn't feel left out well good (laughs) we are going to continue on i'm going to be out of town next week but we are still going to have an episode unless something well even if something crazy happens i just won't be on the episode these guys will continue without this should be the gang. <laughs> we will never fail. But yeah, I guess that's kind of a, a, a reminder after shout outs is that um, our episode might be a little different or sound quality or something because I'm going to be on the road. I'm going to try to take my normal setup, uh, but I just haven't decided logistically I am flying. And anyone who's flown before knows how annoying it is to carry a bunch of stuff, specifically electronics through an airport, because of course everything is a bomb. Um, so we'll see how it goes, (laughs) but worst case scenario, I might be Skyping on my phone um, because at least that's an acceptable bomb to bring on the airport, you know? So, uh, yeah, hopefully our, but yeah, hopefully we'll get our, we'll get our stuff figured out. Great. Now we're all on the TSA watch list. Right. I was like the FBI guy who listens into these calls has already like looked up all of your information, all of your flight information and has already warned them to random search you. (laughs) You're going to get a full on cavity search tomorrow. We don't have to worry. The first couple episodes, we were part of TSA. (laughs) We don't have to worry about it. We have an end. For some of them. (laughs) We are one. One of us. (laughs) All right. That seems like a good place to end. So I got nothing else to say. Yeah. But yeah, so uh, this has been Swell. We'll see you guys all same time next week. Next week. <laughs> they see us same time every week just because they see us on Tuesday. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm assuming people probably like listen around the same time-ish. I don't know. Maybe not. Do your life however you want. 
right. Um, I can get you the numbers on that. There's the moral of your story, guys. Live your life however you want. Yeah. And Just do it. Nike. Also not sponsored, but hey. Hey, us up. Hit us up. Yeah, I tried to sponsor <laughs> Cheese it. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. For real, guys. Bum, bum, bum. Bye-bye. Goodbye. <laughs> Good night. Thank you for choosing Guardians of Lore. Goodbye. Thank you for flying <laughs> Guardians of Lore, formerly known as TSA. Goodbye. And with that, we are signing off. Oh, goodness. Excuse me. It's not even that late. Yes, I am on the right car, correct? Yes. All right. Just drop my phone. You were supposed to say, I refuse, because the next card's refusal, and you're reading it. Uh, All right. When I hear refusal, all I think about is refusal to take a, you know, blow test. That's a bad word for it. What? Okay, I mean, I know what you're talking about. can literally be charged, like, with refusal. Because if they suspect you're drunk, they'll ask you um, to, you know, blow it I'm, all I'm like, aware what it is. Call me the BAC thing. I'm just confused that that's what you... Uh, that's what I think of, because that's what I see it for. Can you hear us, Elmist? You can't hear us at all. No, no, no. Can you hear me? Hmm. Not at all. Oh, we can hear you. <laughs> Elmist's headset refuses to work. <laughs> we don't need more technical difficulties in the podcast. We already have three pre-recordings of failure. <laughs> right. Or two. Yeah, I think just two. It's been a mess. Yeah. Oh, can you hear me now? No, I've got subtitles on. <laughs> That's great. Your headset die? Oh, that's a valid question. Here, I'll type no. it in. Ah, uh, there we go. You're here now? Yeah. Okay. Jeez. Good technical difficulties. This is a horrible night for recording, apparently. <laughs> right. Uh, I have to say, the puppies are doing pretty good because it's starting to get popping outside our door. People are showing up to our neighbors for their 420 points. Well, let's get refusal. Yeah, I refuse to let them keep me up all night like they did last year. You're going to keep me up all night. That sounded bad, but it mostly just means with technical difficulties and trying to get this podcast recorded. Oh, my. (laughs) All right, let's do this thing. All right, everyone shut up so I can read. All right. Oh, man. I spoke too soon. Give me a second. They're really loud outside whenever they show up. It's not Callie's fault. She's been doing pretty good. What's up, y'all? If you want, everything should be good. It's just like people are coming in more and more as it's getting later. Okay. Let's try again. This refusal card is refusing to happen. I wonder how many more refusal puns we can make before this episode's over. I refuse to believe that we can't. The limit. I refuse, I refuse to, to believe the limit does not exist. Right. <laughs> I refuse to record with you guys if we don't get started. Oh, just hush. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm hilarious. So, new Guardians of Lords, just Elemist and Mrs. Ivan. <laughs>
Whoop, whoop. This should be the gang. I don't know. It might just be you if it's time it keeps having all these technical difficulties. No, we'll figure uh. it out. All right. I'm reading this card now. Again, everyone, shot it. That includes the people outside. <laughs> just going to swing open the door and scream, shut up. Petra has her welcome for Zavala all planned out. He will say something Statorian, which, while it is technically a greeting, Petra will also read as reproach or condensent. Condens- it's not condensation. Condense. Condensation. 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 Like condescending? Uh, yeah, but I don't like it. I don't like it in this form. Condescension. Condense- con- no, no. Con- condescension. Dis- condescension. Condescension. Yeah. Condescension. Aha, my God. <laughs> okay. He will say something stentorian, which, while it is technically a greeting, Petra will also read as reproach or condes- condes- Damn it all. I keep wanting to say condescension. No, it's condensation. Condescension. Cup sweat. What? Oh my god, you again. Condescension. I just need to remember not to put that second end in. Condescension. Okay. Excuse me. I burned. He will say something centurion, which, while it is technically a greeting, Petra will also read as reproach or condescension. Damn. They're like oh, man. outside so now. Right, They're I'm just outside her. now. They're just chilling in general now. We got this. Outside of their house. You tell them, Callie. You know what? Yeah. No, they are rude. I love how you were perfect. And it was Callie that... <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> you know it. That's what she's always there for. That's why you don't have children. All right, she's safe. Did you try flipping your mic and fixing that rule one more time? It's funny to see you. Oh, you mean my, not my mic, my. Yeah, that. It's a good thing we turned off the other microphone. They'd probably pick up all this. Can you see me now? I can't see myself, so I don't know. Can you see me? No, you can just try turning it off and on again. Can I lay down? Lay down. It's not a big deal. Your camera. Just... You looking at some taboo right now? All right, let's do it. Are you? No. Who are you talking to? Do you see taboo right now? No. What do you mean? Oh, with your back camera? No. Now I do. There we go. I got it working, you guys. I'm so technologically savvy. <laughs> okay, I'm starting this whole card over again because the only thing I've gotten done is a sentence. I was trying to eat Jesus quietly, but I've had a mouthful of food every time we pause to talk. Cade! Petra half-consciously adopts Mara's fey remove. No, hold on. I didn't read that right. There's no exclamation point. She's not excited about it. Removal, not excited. I know. I was helping Amari with his schoolwork the other day. and He went up onto something, and I said, Amari, why did you go up on the word? And he said, because there's a question mark right there. I'm like, damn, you're smart. Sorry. Well, sorry, I was. Okay. No, I feel like I can't just. Um, hold on. The hatch opens. Yeah, I feel like I should read from there, right? It's a flow. The hatch opens. 
Cade Six backs his way through, talking to Zavala. Whatever you've seen, whatever you've read, it's worse. These people need our... Cade. Pletcher half-consciously adopts Mara's fey remove her instant... What is that word? Insocaint. 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 Ins what? Yeah. Insocaint. 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 Something like that. <sighs> Something like that is not good enough. Insocaint. Insocaint. Showing a casual lack of concern. Okay. Arak Jalal chuckles at the title. He remembers Petra's time in the tower. Her simmering patience to be back out in the black sky. Sorry. She got shimmering impatience. Ah, simmering impatience. I only say because that's the opposite. So. Arak, Arak Jalal. Same issue. Zavala lowers his brow to the loinen earth. It feels like the respectful thing to do. Wait, did you pronounce that as an L? That's Io. Ionian. <laughs> Just as a... Yeah, I did pronounce it as an L because this font type doesn't differentiate. It's right. Thank you. Uh, uppercase Ls are, uh, you know, they have the little thing on the bottom. It looked like a lowercase L. I thought it was an adjective for the word. Oh, yeah. What am I talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I knew that it was a capital word because... But yes, yes, yes. No, that is a word form of the planet. Well, yeah, of Io. Okay. Well, I figured that out. What is the full word? Ionian. Thank you. No, wait. Yeah. Alma says yeah, yes. I'm questioning myself. That sounds good. Yeah, okay. All right, well, shut it. Got reading to do. And fruit tart to finish. So I got to finish reading before I finish the fruit tart. I got a lot of laundry to wash. Okay. Well, put your mic back up so I know you won't talk again. Don't be a dick about it. Put it up. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> well, isn't that the challenge in the end? No. Not even that. Not convincing or coercing. Traveler knows he is tempting sometimes. Nope. Nope. That's wrong, too. Just so perfectly, I read the words, did I fail later on in the card, and I was like, yeah, you really are. Up, microphone up, you butt face. I want a divorce. I declare divorce. <laughs> you can't just say bankrupt. I didn't say it. I declared it. The bruise where he had butt. And if the next, uh, next, next, next. No, no, no. <clears throat> Last card almost there. 